so it's it's not board scores that everybody cares about? No. I won't hurt you. Um, this produces a lot of anxiety for students. Walk away from a cliff. It'll be all right. <laughs> and that means you're really a big deal. All right, we're here live at the Court Academic Assembly 16, and I'm here with Sarah Ronan, good friend of mine, fellow clerkship director at Cincinnati. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks. Uh, actually, technically, I'm not clerkship director anymore. I was clerkship director for 10 years, and just this past July, turned the reins over to one of my colleagues. So I am assistant residency director only at this point. So a recovering clerkship addict. <laughs> That's it. But cer- certainly a student advocate still. No doubt. So I brought Sarah on the show today so that we could learn more about these four-letter words that trouble medical students. And the four-letter word today is? Slow. So that's spelled S-L-O-E. Now, Sarah, tell us a little bit more about what a slow is and fill us in on the slow history. All right. So a slow stands for standardized letter of evaluation. And that is technically really a fancy way of saying a letter of recommendation that students need to get for their application to emergency medicine residency. So some history, in the mid-90s, residency directors in emergency medicine decided that they didn't like the quality of letters that they were getting as part of the applications to emergency medicine, and they decided to make a form that asks specific questions that they wanted answered in regard to all the applicants they were seeing. And so they devised this form that asks a bunch of questions about what your grade was in in emergency medicine rotation, how long have you as the letter writer known the applicant, and certain qualifications for emergency medicine. And then put this letter out there, and it's become so valuable that really has become a requirement in an emergency medicine application for students to include this. Excellent. So this is not the letter of recommendation that your family dentist will give you to say that you have straight teeth and that you're polite and hardworking and you're a family friend. That's not what we're talking about here? (laughs) Slightly different and much more important. Um, So generally in an application for residency, there are four slots that you can fill with letters of recommendation. And we advise students that they need to have at a bare minimum, one of those be a slow. They can have more than one slow, but they need to have at a bare minimum one slow. And so you can get a letter like this based on your home rotation or if you do an away rotation, you really should have a, a letter from that's a slow from that away rotation as well. Gotcha. So let's, let's break this down a little bit. What are the components of the slow? And let's talk a little bit about how that looks. So yeah. we've got a PDF up here and why don't you tell us how to get that and then let's go through it together. So if you all want to uh, look at what a blank slow form looks like, you can go to the Council of Residency Directors website, which is cordem.org or cordem.org. And on the right-hand side of the page is a resources section. If you click on that, 
then it says slow template and you click on that and you'll get to either a word file or a PDF of the blank form and then you can um, see exactly what it is that we're filling out about you. Uh, and so the first section is background information, as I mentioned before, how long have you known the applicant and in what context? So did you work with them directly in the emergency department? Um, do you only know them from outside of the emergency department, like an interest group setting? Have you been their advisor, et cetera? And then what grade did they get on their rotation in the emergency department? and then whether or not this was their first rotation, second rotation, et cetera. And last section on that first page is um, the breakdown of grades that the rotation gives to students over the course of the last year so that they're putting the grade for this particular applicant in the context of the way that they use their grading system. Then the second page is really where it starts to get into the nitty-gritty, and you're talking about the applicant's commitment to emergency medicine, work ethic, ability to get along with people, guidance that they might need in the future as a resident. And then the final section is called global assessment, where you are really lining an applicant up against all the other EM-bound students and saying where this person fits in that group as far as their level of competitiveness, yeah. And that's the global assessment part at the bottom, and I think that's, at least from an interview standpoint, probably the real big metric that I think is the most important thing on this. What, so let's, let's go through that global assessment area and tell us more about how it divides people up and what uh, program directors and assistant program directors might think about the results from those. So the first question in the global assessment um, section is compared to other EM residency candidates you have recommended in the last academic year this candidate is in this section and they're broken down into top 10% top third middle third and lower third and as you said Scott this is really where the money is and so um, all those residency program directors out there who are looking at all these letters sometimes go to this section first and read this part before they even look at the rest of the letter or for that matter sometimes the rest of the application. Uh, and then there's one other question under that global assessment which actually asks the person who's writing the letter how they will estimate that this candidate places on their rank list. So it's very specific, and it uses those same categories, top 10%, top third, middle third, lower third, and then there even is a category that says unlikely to be on our rank list at all. So it's pretty blunt. One thing that we need to talk about is it's important that we see in this global assessment is the language is that most people will be very acceptable and good to match with even being in the middle third. It's okay to be average in a group of probably the most above average medical students in our, right. in our universities. That's right. Emergency medicine is such a competitive specialty that we all recognize that students who are in the middle third and even students potentially in the lower third are very viable candidates for emergency medicine. Um, the last page of the slow is a comment section, and this is also very important because this helps put the applicant into context and talks about what their gifts are, potentially what a challenge might be for them going forward into residency, but helps to really differentiate 
your traits and your talents as an applicant from all the other applicants out there. Gotcha. Now, who are the people that will write these slows? Can this just be anybody? Uh, who, who are the people that we need to approach for these when we ask about a letter of recommendation? So usually at every place that has a EM rotation for students, there are a handful of folks that write these. Many places now write what's called a group slow, and usually that group is a consensus of people who are involved in education, and they get together and essentially talk about all of the students and decide how they're going to break them up into categories for writing a letter for each student and write the letters all together as a committee, essentially. In addition to doing the group version, there are individual authors who will write them. Usually those are still people who are involved in resident and student education and have some experience having written these in the past. Gotcha, and that's an important thing. Sometimes we'll have students that might rotate at an emergency medicine residency program, but it might be a satellite site, perhaps, Mm -hmm. where they don't have the core academic faculty, and you might not be getting a standardized letter of evaluation, which should be, I think, a big goal and an important staple of every rotation that you go on for emergency medicine. That's kind of a must-have. It really is uh, an important part of doing a rotation and putting together your application. So it's important to think about that at the time that you're setting up a rotation, if particularly in a way rotation, who are the major players that might write a letter of evaluation for me and how do I go about getting that letter? Oftentimes for our rotation, we address that in the orientation session on the first day so that everybody knows we write a group letter. The, the folks who are involved in the group are, are the, the clerkship director, the program director, occasionally assistant residency director as well. And we will write it for all of you. And we tell them that right up front. If, uh, as a student, if you're not able to get that information on the first or second day, it's really important to go ahead and just ask. Ask your um, rotation director hey, I'm interested in getting a letter of recommendation from this rotation. Who should I talk to about that? Great points. And I would say that's even part of the housekeeping and the VSAS application is making sure that you are applying to and rotating and accepting rotations at sites that will allow you to get that letter. So sometimes we'll have students that might do things like a toxicology, wilderness medicine, ultrasound electives, What do you think about the slows in these kind of situations? That might be a special scenario that we might want to speak to. That's a great question, Scott. And this is a topic that has come up a lot right at this conference in just the last couple of days. We're seeing students do these additional um, elective rotations in subspecialty areas of emergency medicine more and more. However, those of us who are involved in kind of refining the slow and what it's supposed to look like from year to year, feel pretty strongly that the form should only be used for the fourth year emergency medicine rotation. And there is certainly very valuable information that residency programs can learn about applicants from those elective rotations in ultrasound or toxicology, et cetera but probably that information is better 
found in a regular narrative letter that's on department letterhead and written in paragraph form. Gotcha. So what I'm hearing from you is that the most valuable form of one of these letters is a group slow from clerkship director, program director, set of APDs that all meet. The next level of goodness might be an individual slow from either a clerkship director or a program director or assistant program director. Yes, exactly. Or even a chair. Some yes. some pla- places have uh, their chairs of the departments write individual uh, letters of uh, evaluation as well. Yeah. And then after that, maybe a letter from a well-known specialist in toxicology, perhaps, or ultrasound could be helpful, but you should not plan on getting a slow from them based on the recommendations of our slow committee. Correct. Unless they technically work with you while you're on your rotation in the emergency department. So Sarah, tell me, how important are these letters in a residency applicant interview and decision process for really getting a match? Yeah. So um, to actually give a little bit of uh, a quoting of the literature, uh, there was a survey done that was published in Academic Emergency Medicine uh, in 2014 uh, that surveyed all of the program directors in emergency medicine. And one of the questions was, Of all of the items that are included in a residency application, rank the items and which one is the most important. And the item that was the most important in selecting applicants for interview was the standardized letter of evaluation. You're kidding me. So it's it's not board scores that everybody cares about? No. (laughs) They care about that too, but not as much. So this is really a big deal. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, yes. And that means you're really a big deal. Not me, no. <laughs> I beg to differ. So this is a, this is a very important uh, episode that we need to pay attention to. Yes, and I would say that ev- everybody needs to have at least one of these in their application. But there are even some residency programs who are moving to really only looking at applications if they have two of these standardized letters of evaluation in them. I would also say to students, if they do an away rotation, they really need to have a standardized letter of evaluation from an away rotation included in their residency application. So let me get you straight. There's rumors out there that you've got to have like five letters of recommendation from the top programs in order to get an interview. That's not true. <laughs> no. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, because of the way Iris is set up, there are only slots for four letters. You want to have enough space to, to, in those four slots to fit standardized letter of evaluation, and you probably need to leave space for two of those, one from your home institution, one from an away rotation, and then you can fill the other two slots with letters of recommendation who are either from other elective rotations like we talked about before or from other specialties. Okay, so you heard that, and I want to drive this point home. Right now we're talking with the person that is in charge of the slow committee saying that you only need one, maybe two standardized letters of evaluation and then the other two can come from a myriad of other acceptable letters of recommendation from emergency medicine or non-emergency medicine. 
So don't feel the need to fill it up with four letters of evaluation. Not necessary. No, not necessary. I won't hurt you, but it's not necessary. Yeah. How do you really ask for a slow? I mean, sometimes it's understood that you're going to be there, but we don't want to just make that conclusion in our minds and assume. So tell me how you prefer for students to approach you about writing this letter. That's a great point. So it can certainly um, produce anxiety when you feel like you have to go ask somebody for something and you don't know them very well. Because this is such such an important piece of your future, um, we have to sort of pick ourselves up and put on our big boy pants and get ready to, to ask this question. And I would start with the um, clerkship director and either send them an email or ask to meet with them. Hey, I really would like to get a letter of recommendation from this rotation. Are you the person I should talk to about that? If they say yes, then say, as the rotation goes on and you're getting to know me, do you think you can write a strong letter of evaluation for me and use the slow form. I think you're right. We have to really make sure that we're upfront about that, that our expectations are, are clearly understood from both parties. And there's a lot of ways to do it. What we do is, is I, I tell people on the very first day of the clerkship that we are going to do a group slow. And since we do about 55 of those each year, I don't want to have a seizure in the middle of our clerkship time. So we divvy up the work a little bit and have, if you will, maybe a mentor that will be assigned to these people or that you have maybe worked three or four shifts with a certain APD, and they're going to take the lead authorship in these. But then we kind of get together as a group, like you said, we look at all the metrics, we look at all the different rotators, and then can divide up in these categories and make the final polishings to give the most accurate representation of their performance. How do you guys do it in Cincinnati? Fairly similarly, um, particularly in the months that we have uh, EM bound students and students who are doing away rotations with us, all of the students are assigned a mentor. And that mentor works with the student multiple shifts so they get to know them best. And the student has the option of asking that individual to write an individual authored letter for them or they can talk to the clerkship director and ask for a group slow. Our department, the group gets together and categorizes all of the students and actually writes the letter, but unless the student asks us to submit it and you know there's a special cover letter that they have to give you, that the student provides to us that officially um, is what we use to submit the letter on their behalf to IRIS. So we write them all, but unless the student gives us the, the uh, cover letter, we don't aut- automatically submit it to IRIS on their behalf. Okay, and that's a good point. So you don't want to be the student that is not providing this information, and you don't want to be the lagging tool that is preventing this process from moving forward. So I'm hearing from you that students need to be on the ball about making sure the appropriate paperwork is in, the boxes are checked, it's signed, and that you're not preventing them from uploading these forms. Yeah, that's really important, and we're finding out every year that it seems like this process is starting earlier and earlier. Uh, And so having all of the um, 
parts of your application that you can control done as soon as Iris opens is really in the student's best interest. What expectations should students have about the timing on when a slow will be completed? I get this question often. Uh, the rotation has ended and they want to know when will my slow be uploaded? What, what general advice do you have for a student that we might be able to, to share? That's a really great question, Scott. Um, and certainly because we were just talking about how important getting everything done early is to the process, um, this produces a lot of anxiety for students with respect to the time that their letters are submitted. For us, because we are meeting as a group to talk about all the students and write group slows, um, we actually do most of the writing for the slows in early to mid-September. So even those students who rotated with us in July are not getting their letters uploaded until September. And that does produce some anxiety for students. Um, but the reason that we are doing that is because we have to sort of compare the students to one another. And you have to have your, you know, the main pool of your students through the rotation to be able to do that. So it's tough. It definitely causes a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you 100%. We usually allow maybe one or two waves of a clerkship to get going before we start to even begin this process. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't get that email saying everything's been uploaded July 2nd, don't seize. It's okay. Walk away from the cliff. It'll be all right. <laughs> One other question I get a lot is, is when is it too late to get a slow uploaded? What, oh. What's the time frame for this? We ran into this um, some last year, and this is, I think, becoming an issue because it, the away rotation has become really important, um, and being able to get a slow from an away rotation is really valuable. So we're seeing students who are rotating with us in October after the dean's letter has been submitted and their applications are being reviewed very actively by programs um, and they want to get a, a standardized letter of evaluation from us. In addition to that, they have been getting, sometimes getting advice that they need to fill all four of those slots for letters of recommendation prior to the dean's letter being sent out on October 1st. And so, they then rotate with us after they already have four letters. And what do they do about getting a letter from us? Um, that's a really tough spot. So if they know that their student is doing an away rotation in October, they really need to leave a slot open in their, their list of letters of recommendation to be able to get a slow from that October rotation. They need to have a slow earlier from their home rotation already in their file, but they need to leave a slot open for that away rotation in October. And I would say that October is really the latest, to get back to your question, October is probably the latest that you can possibly get a slow in your application and have it really be helpful. Couldn't agree more. I think a lot of programs use ASEP conferences, maybe a, a timing which usually occurs in mid-October before they're going to do a lot of this interviewing yes. decisions. Yes. Um, although some are getting earlier, 
Some are particularly getting late. This is a concept and a talk maybe for another podcast, but I want to make sure that everyone understands that it's important to get these in early. It, it's also not the end of the world if you don't get these in by October. There are a few programs that will maybe still allow some interviews and information. What would you say, what advice would you give to a student perhaps? Let's say they made a late decision into emergency medicine for whatever reason, and they're a little behind in their slows. They've got one uploaded, but because of their late decision, they've done a later rotation, and they're waiting on this last slow, which may land in November or December. How would a student notify the program about this slow in their unique situation? What advice do you have for those types of students? That's a good question. So for this um, population of students that may have decided that they're doing emergency medicine a little later, I would advocate that they should send a separate email to programs when that last slow is uploaded, whether that's November or October or potentially December, and tell the program coordinator I just wanted to let you know that my ERIS file has been updated with a new standardized letter of evaluation. Please um, update your files to include this new letter. So you should send an email every 12 minutes. You should text, <laughs> you should tweet, you should call. How many times? Yeah, yeah, maybe one. One oh, time. One, one, one. One. <laughs> to the coordinator. <laughs> That's a great point. So sometimes what kills us is the nagging, the redundancy, the you know, high-strung puppy type of an approach to making sure that programs are aware of you. So I, I couldn't agree more, sir. I think one succinct professional email to let them know of an update. And that can be on any type of updates. Um, so look for more of that when we talk about our ERAS episode. Okay, so would it look okay if, let's say you had a student from your home in Cincinnati and they rotated, but they didn't feel they did well, and they just said, gosh, I'm not going to upload that slow. How would that be perceived in the application process? Oh, that's a great question, Scott. That, this is really important. So on the transcript for that student, it will clearly state that they did a rotation in Cincinnati. Program directors who are looking at applications will see the transcript and notice how many emergency medicine months or rotations a student will have done and expect to see a letter from each one of those rotations. So if a student rotates with us in Cincinnati but then does not get a letter from us, that's a huge red flag. And people are going to wonder why it is that that student didn't get a letter and think that something is missing. How do we know our performance on the slow? We've probably recommended that students will check the box saying that they waive their rights to viewing this document. However, can you get some feedback on this? How do you know if you did well or not? How do you advise students in this area? So this is tough, um, but definitely can be helpful. I think that uh, most of us um, who are in charge of uh, student rotations meet with the students to give feedback both at the halfway mark and then again at the end of the rotation. And particularly if you're doing an away rotation somewhere and you know that you're gonna ask them for a standardized letter of evaluation, it would be helpful to meet with the clerkship director at the end of the rotation one more time to just say, so 
now that things are wrapping up, I just wanted to get your sense for how the rotation ended for me and whether or not those things that we talked about earlier have changed with respect to the standardized letter of evaluation. Do you have a sense for how that might look for me? I think that's totally valid to ask. They haven't, they haven't written it yet. They're not giving you any information that is in black and white, so you're still waiving your right as a student to view the letter, but you get a better sense for what it might say. So you may need to follow up a couple of weeks after the rotation once the results are in from the performance. They've collected your feedback from the other faculty that have assessed you, and then follow up. And I would pay very good attention to your grades mm-hmm. and your narrative that they gave you for your clerkship evaluation. A lot of times that's going to look pretty similar to your slow. That's right, yeah. So thank you for coming on the show today, Sarah. How do people get a hold of you if they want to? Thanks for having me, Scott. This has been a lot of fun. So my Twitter handle is at Ronan, R-O-N-A-N, and then Ronan again, R-O-N-A-N, S as in Sarah, E as in Elizabeth. So that's a lot of letters. Um, my email address is sarah.ronan at uc.edu. Well, very good. I think we're going to change her Twitter handle to Slow Queen. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. That's a wrap. Thanks for having me. That was fun. On behalf of my partner, Dr. Nate, this is Scott Weeders, your EM coach concluding another episode of the EM Stud podcast. For more information about us, go to our website at www.cdemcurriculum.com. Thank you for listening. Rotate well, my friends. Baby